So the past year or so, I've really been struggling to stay connected to God. I don't know if it's because I have three teenagers in my house these days. I don't know if it's all the delays that we've been having trying to get into our new space at Boston Quarter. Thank God that construction is finally underway and we're on target to move in uh, near the end of the year. Um, I don't know if it's because like maybe I'm having a midlife crisis or can we still blame COVID for stuff like this? Um, I don't know, but, but whatever the case, I've really been struggling to just be connected with God, to, to spend time with God and, and just to feel and sense God's presence. Um, I don't know. If you feel me, if, if you've been in a season where, where you've been struggling, um, but I want to share with you two verses today that have really helped me, especially during those times where I just felt like I've been hanging by a thread in terms of my relationship with God to be able to stay connected. Maybe you're struggling or, or maybe you just want to make sure that your faith connection stays really strong, but I want us to look at these two verses today. They come from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And we don't actually know who wrote these verses. We don't, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was. But what we do know is that this New Testament letter was written by a follower of Jesus to other followers of Jesus to help them in their faith. And this is what these verses say. The author writes, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if you want to strengthen your connection with God, these two verses actually hold the key for how to do that. So we're going to walk through them slowly and take a deep dive through these verses. They start out this way. And let us consider. Now, that word consider in the Greek is the word katanoeo. Katanoeo literally means to consider attentively or to fix one's mind upon. So what the author is really saying there is, let us consider. Let us really think about. Let us really think about how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And I want you to key in on three words there in that verse. He says, how we may spur one another. Those words, we and one another, are really at the crux of what I want to talk to you about today. Because the way that you're going to have a strong connection with God is by not doing it alone. We need one another. And you know this, don't you? I mean, after all, the reason that you're listening to this message right now is because somewhere along the way in your life, someone spurred you along. So the truth is that you need other people to help spur you in your connection with God. And the reason I know this is because I need people who are going to spur me along as well. So my wife, Becky, is an emergency room nurse. And uh, you may be thinking, wow, Derek, you are so lucky. I mean, whenever you get sick, whatever happens to you in your life, like you're good. You're always going to have somebody who takes care of you. Yes 
And no, I've had two times in my life since I've been married to Becky where I've been pretty darn sick. And actually both times that I've been sick, I found myself in the bathroom and she was not home. So one time Becky was working and another time she was out. The kids were small and they were actually trick-or-treating. And so I'm sick as a dog. I'm in the bathroom. And both times I was so sick that I actually passed out in the bathroom, woke up, and I found myself on the phone with my lovely wife. And I bet you can guess when I was talking to her each of those times what the one thing I wanted her to do was, right? Probably no. Baby, please come home. Oh my God, I'm so sick. Just please come home and take care of me. But you know what? The average person in that situation, of course, when they're thinking the love of their life is sick in the bathroom, they would immediately run home to take care of their spouse. But my wife is not average. Oh no, not at all. You have to remember, she's an emergency room trauma nurse. Okay. The kind of stuff she sees, like we can't even imagine. And so basically what I was begging and pleading her and telling her how sick I was, she's like, well, you sound like you're breathing. Okay. You got an airway. Um, you'll be fine. I'll be home soon. Just stay low. You'll be good. And, um, seriously, both times. And, and here's the thing. This is what I love about my wonderful wife, Becky. She spurs me to toughness. That's right. You see, I can be a huge wimp when I get sick. And what, what my marriage to her has done has made me so much tougher. Don't get me wrong. I'm still a wimp, but I'm so much tougher than I would have been. And the reason why is because she has spurred me on to toughness. Now, the writer of Hebrews writes that we are to spur one another on, not to toughness, but toward love and good deeds. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have people in your life who are spurring you on toward love and good deeds? Think about that for a second. Are there people in your life spurring you on to love and good deeds. Can you think of who they are? Do you have people in your life who are spurring you on in your faith so that you'll have that great connection with God? Let me ask you one other question. Are you spurring the people on in your life toward love and good deeds and toward a good connection with God? Because that's the essence of the Christian life. And I got to tell you, this, this is actually so important because, you know, you may be a little bit confused these days on, on what really does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, there's, there's so much noise and there's all this political stuff. What does it really mean at the end of the day to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it's so incredibly simple. It's really all about love and good deeds. You know, Jesus, just before he went to the cross, one of the final things that he said to his disciples, he said to them, a new command I give you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And with that one verse, which happens to be my favorite verse in all the Bible, because it's basically what it means to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus sums it all up. It's simply this, the way that Jesus has loved you, which is selflessly, sacrificially coming to this earth, laying down his life for you, 
That unconditional love of Jesus Christ, that is the love that we must have for one another. We're to love others selflessly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. So what we're called to do and what the writer of Hebrews is is saying here is that we're supposed to spur one another on toward that kind of love and good deeds. So what does this look like, practically speaking? Well, the writer of Hebrews continues on. He says, we need to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And here we go, verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So the way that we spur one another on, practically speaking, is meeting together. It's being together. It's being in Christian community with one another. Now, what's fascinating about this passage to me is what else it says. The writer points out that some are not in the habit of meeting together. Some have actually given up this practice. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. We're talking about the early Christian church. We're talking about some of the first followers of Jesus, people who may have actually met Jesus, who may have actually met the risen Christ after his crucifixion. And yet some of them have gotten out of the habit of meeting together. What is so powerful about that to me is that if you find yourself in a season of your life where you've gotten out of the habit of meeting together, Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame about that. But instead, no, you're not alone. You're in great company. Now, that said, what the writer of Hebrews is imploring his original hearers to do and what he's imploring you and I to do is to not give up meeting together. Now, what meeting together looks like at Grace is a couple of things. The first one, pretty obvious, it's probably the first thing that comes to your mind. It's our Sunday services, right? It's it's either gathering in person or gathering virtually on Sunday to to take in a Sunday service. But the one that I really want us to, to focus on today is what happens during the week. It's the small groups that meet at Grace. And today is a really important day for Grace and for you, because today... All of our groups that are going to be starting in September are going online. In fact, they're live on our website right now. And what I want you to do, even as I'm talking to you right now, is I want you to go to trygrace.org slash groups. Go ahead and go right now. And here's why I want you to go there. Because all of those groups right now, you're seeing all the different offerings. But as people go on and they sign up for those groups, there's only a limited number of spaces for each group. And once that group fills, it will immediately and automatically be taken off of our website. So if you want to have the most options to see like which which group would be best for you, you need to go there right now. Don't waste any time. Go right now because these groups are going to fill up. Now, I want to tell you what these groups are going to be doing when they start September the 11th. So these groups are going to meet for eight weeks. And uh, for eight weeks, Essentially, what's going to be happening is there's going to be a big challenge. 
And this challenge, this is kind of cool, but the challenge involves being spurred on toward love and good deeds. So we're going to be looking at this Hebrew word called hesed. And it's this incredible word that speaks to the character and the nature of God. And it also speaks to, to what God wants to do in and through us. And so we're going to be doing something for eight weeks called the Hesed Habit. And if you love challenges, whether they're, you know, to do with physical activity or your diet and exercise or, you know, whatever it is, um, you're going to love this eight weeks group experience doing this Hesed Habit challenge. So I'm telling you, you want to go right now to trygrace.org slash groups and get signed up for one of these groups. This journey starts September the 11th. Now, the writer of Hebrews continues on. He says, don't give up meeting together. He says, but encourage one another. Now, I love that word encourage because if I had to pick one word that describes what groups at Grace actually look like, it would be the word encourage. Groups at Grace are encouraging places where you can grow in your connection with God. Now, I don't know if um, if you've been in a group before or uh, maybe maybe you just had some not so great experiences with with church or with with other Christians, but I want to tell you a little bit about groups at Grace. You may be thinking that if you were actually really real, if you showed up to one of these groups and, and you were just real about your life and your struggles or your doubts about God or your questions or whatever, you may be thinking, man, I guarantee you people will be looking down on me. They'd be judging me. Nothing is further from the truth. In fact, at Grace, first of all, we're a church for people who don't go to church. And we have groups for people who don't do groups, all right? I'm serious. Our groups are encouraging places. So if you actually do share a struggle or a doubt or a question, the most common response will be, same here. I've gone through the same thing recently, or I just I just recently went through that. We'd love to pray with you. Because these groups are not places where you'll feel judgment or condemnation, but you will feel encouragement. So the writer of Hebrews says we're, we're not to give up meeting together. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. And then finally says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, that day that the writer is referring to is the day when Jesus returns, when Jesus comes back. So it's really important to understand that the original readers of this text they didn't think that Jesus was coming back someday, like way out in the future. They believed that he was coming back in their lifetime. Because after all, he'd lived during their lifetime, he died, and he'd been resurrected during their lifetime. So it just makes sense that they would have thought, of course, he's going to come back in our lifetime. And so they had an urgency with their faith, an urgency about spurring one another on to good deeds, to not giving up meeting together, to encouraging one another. Now, we just don't have that same urgency today. But I do have to say, there is an urgency that we need to pay attention to. Because here's the truth. There's a day approaching 
when things are going to get tough. Now, I'm not saying that to be dramatic or to stress you out, but it's just a reality. And, and this is actually straight from Jesus. Jesus reminds us that in this world, you will have trouble, right? I mean, we just, we live in a broken, fallen world. And so there's a day approaching when things are going to get difficult at work. There's a day approaching when your health is going to decline and, and you're going to struggle in that regard. There's a day approaching maybe where, where you're going to deal with some financial difficulty. And there's a day approaching where, you know, a key relationship of yours, it, it's going to suffer or you're going to, you're going to lose somebody. I mean, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. And so when that day comes, the question is, will you be in a good position to handle it? When that day approaches, will you have people in your life who are there for you, who can be praying for you and encouraging you? When that day comes, will, will you be in a position in your faith and your relationship with God where your connection is strong and, and you have peace and faith that, that God's going to see you through it? You know, one of the things that I think is so cool about, about developing that rhythm of being part of a small group on a weekly basis is this. Think about this. If you're part of a group, it guarantees you not only that you're going to have people in your life praying for you who can support you through whatever happens in your life, but it also guarantees you, check this out, that at least once a week, you will have dedicated time where you're going to be reading the Bible, you're going to be applying that to your life, and you're going to be spending time in prayer. No matter what the rest of your week looks like, you will have guaranteed time once a week. And the other thing that we found about being in a group is that these groups that are going to be discussing the, the sermons happening starting September the 11th, um, it's going to motivate you to, to engage with those messages. And so it's going to, it's going to motivate you more to, to be regular attenders, either on, at Sunday services or to tune in podcast or, or stream our services to, to make sure that you're getting that content to then be able to go into your group to discuss. And so what, what we find is that if you're part of a, a group at Grace, it's going to guarantee you that, that twice a week, you're going to have these touch points with God, where, where it's going to increase your connection with God. And I don't know about you, but here's the thing for me. I really struggle to be disciplined with things like prayer and Bible study. And I mean, I'm a professional Christian. I mean, I should be really, really good at this, but it's, it's hard. I mean, life is busy. And so to be able to have a couple of touch points in your week where you know you're going to have that accountability and that structure, man, that is a better rhythm. So I want to ask you this question. Will you do something today to put yourself in a good spiritual position tomorrow? I'm going to invite you one more time to go to trygrace.org slash groups. I want you to sign up for a group this fall. And maybe you're already in a group. And so maybe for you, it's not about getting into a group because you're already in one. But but maybe what you need to do today is, is decide, you know what, I'm going to put this group meeting time on my calendar. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to tell my boss, I got to leave by six o'clock because I've got something that's important to me on my schedule. 
whatever it is, this is something that the writer of Hebrews implores us that we need to do as followers of Jesus to stay connected to God. Because let's be real, it's hard to stay connected to God and we can't do it alone. Let me pray for you. God, we, um, we do want to be more connected with you. God, we know life is better when we have more of you in our lives. So help us, God. Help us to know what that looks like for us. Um, help us to be more connected with you and more connected with others so that we can spur each other on in our faith. In Christ's name, amen.